0: You have reached Book Club Vibes with Lifestyle Tea Podcast. I am Marquita, the host, and yes, so we will be going over the Richest Man in Babylon book. We're now on chapters 15 and 16. Before we get started, I would like to tell you all that y'all are amazing. Y'all are amazing. And don't ever forget that, okay? Also, if you would go to all the major platforms that Lifestyle Tea is on, which is Apple, Google, Spotify, Anchor, many, many more, and go and subscribe so you can know when that content drops, and also review. Because why? i love to hear your opinion. Your opinion matters. It matters, for real. I told y'all, we are a village. Okay, so today, y'all, I'm really proud of myself, because I recorded on a Monday, so I'm proud of myself on that, but your girl got some tea, Entrepreneur Tea, to go over with you all this week, okay? Um, i Entrepreneur and Broke Mama Tea, let's just be 100, but right now, I really want to engage in this book. I'm going to do Less Talking and Let the Audio Talk, okay? I'm going to let the audio talk. So, let's just jump right into it. Let me see here. Let's see. One moment. Let's see here. Let me see. The walls of Babylon.
1: Old Banzar, grim warrior of another day, stood guard at the passageway leading to the top of the ancient walls of Babylon. Up above, valiant defenders were battling to hold the walls. Upon them depended the future existence of this great city with its hundreds of thousands of citizens. Over the walls came the roar of the attacking armies, the yelling of many men, the trampling of thousands of horses, the deafening boom of the battering rams pounding the bronzed gates. In the street beyond the gate lounged the spearmen, waiting to defend the entrance should the gates give way. They were but few for the task. The main armies of Babylon were with their king far away in the east on the great expedition against the Elamites. No attack upon the city having been anticipated during their absence, the defending forces were small. Unexpectedly from the north bore down the mighty armies of the Assyrians, and now the walls must hold or Babylon was doomed. About Banzar were great crowds of citizens, white-faced and terrified, eagerly seeking news of the battle. With hushed awe, they viewed the stream of wounded and dead being carried or led out of the passageway. Here was the crucial point of attack. After three days of circling about the city, the enemy had suddenly thrown his great strength against this section and this gate. The defenders from the top of the wall fought off the climbing platforms and the scaling ladders of the attackers with arrows, burning oil, and if any reached the top, spears. Against the defenders, thousands of the enemy's archers poured a deadly barrage of arrows Old Banzar had the vantage point for news He was closest to the conflict and first to hear of each fresh repulse of the frenzied attackers An elderly merchant crowded close to him, his palsied hands quivering Tell me, tell me, he pleaded They cannot get in My sons are with the good king There is no one to protect my old wife My goods, they will steal all. My food, they will leave nothing. We are old, too old to defend ourselves. Too old for slaves. We shall starve. We shall die. Tell me they cannot get in. Calm thyself, good merchant, the guard responded. The walls of Babylon are strong. Go back to the bazaar and tell your wife that the walls will protect you and all of your possessions as safely as they protect the rich treasures of the king. Keep close to the walls, lest the arrows flying over strike you. A woman with a babe in arms took the old man's place as he withdrew. Sergeant, what news from the top? Tell me truly that I may reassure my poor husband. He lies with fever from his terrible wounds, yet insists upon his armor and his spear to protect me, who am with child. Terrible, he says, will be the vengeful lust of our enemies, should they break in. Be thou of good heart, thou mother that is, and is again to be. The walls of Babylon will protect you and your babes. They are high and strong. Hear ye not the yells of our valiant defenders, as they empty the cauldrons of burning oil upon the ladder scalers? Yes, that I do hear, and also the roar of the battering rams that do hammer at our gates. Back to thy husband. Tell him the gates are strong and withstand the rams. Also that the scalers climb the walls but to receive the waiting spear thrust. Watch thy way and hasten behind you buildings. Banzar stepped aside to clear the passage for heavily armed reinforcements. As with clanking bronze, shields, and heavy tread they tramped by, a small girl plucked at his girdle. Tell me, please, soldier. Are we safe? she pleaded. I hear the awful noises. I see the men all bleeding. I am so frightened What will become of our family Of my mother, little brother and the baby The grim old campaigner blinked his eyes And thrust forward his chin as he beheld the child Be not afraid, little one He reassured her The walls of Babylon will protect you And mother and little brother and the baby It was for the safety of such as you That the good queen Semiramis built them over a hundred years ago Never have they been broken through Go back and tell your mother and little brother and the baby that the walls of Babylon will protect them, and they need have no fear. Day after day old Banzar stood at his post and watched the reinforcements file up the passageway, there to stay and fight until wounded or dead they came down once more. Around him unceasingly crowded the throngs of frightened citizens eagerly seeking to learn if the walls would hold. To all he gave his answer with the fine dignity of an old soldier The walls of Babylon will protect you For three weeks and five days the attack waged with scarcely ceasing violence Harder and grimmer set the jaw of Banzar as the passage behind Wet with the blood of the many wounded Was churned into mud by the never-ceasing streams of men passing up and staggering down Each day, the slaughtered attackers piled up in heaps before the wall. Each night, they were carried back and buried by their comrades. Upon the fifth night of the fourth week, the clamor without diminished. The first streaks of daylight illuminating the plains disclosed great clouds of dust raised by the retreating armies. A mighty shout went up from the defenders. There was no mistaking its meaning. It was repeated by the waiting troops behind the walls. It was echoed by the citizens upon the streets. It swept over the city with the violence of a storm. People rushed from the houses. The streets were jammed with a throbbing mob. The pent-up fear of weeks found an outlet in the wild chorus of joy. From the top of the high tower of the Temple of Bell burst forth the flames of victory. Skyward floated the column of blue smoke to carry the message far and wide. The walls of Babylon had once again repulsed a mighty and vicious foe determined to loot her rich treasures and to ravish and enslave her citizens. Babylon endured century after century because it was fully protected. It could not afford to be otherwise. The walls of Babylon were an outstanding example of man's need and desire for protection. This desire is inherent in the human race. It is just as strong today as it ever was, but we have developed broader and better plans to accomplish the same purpose. In this day, behind the impregnable walls of insurance, savings accounts, and dependable investments, we can guard ourselves against the unexpected tragedies that may enter any door and seat themselves before any fireside. We cannot afford to be without adequate
0: protection. So, to me, chapter 15 was basically about, I mean, how, to be honest, what I got from that is we have to know how to protect ourselves regardless of the situation. And right now, we're talking about finances. So, with finances, we have to be ready for any and everything, or try to be ready for any and everything, try to protect our finances, and that makes sense that they make sense they can either be i can really even either go through that on a professional level level or a hood level any level we go through you still gotta protect your coins you gotta protect your coins
2: hello a1 custom family i wanted to share some news with you all so a1 custom shop does have a live shop on TikTok. We will be going live throughout the week. The schedule is not out yet as to when we will be on live. But I am super, super, super excited, okay? Super excited. The link for the A1 custom live TikTok shop is in the about page. You go to the bottom of the about page, there's gonna be a link with Linktree. Click on that Linktree link and then you will have an option to choose the TikTok account. Go to our TikTok account at the bottom of the page, and you'll be able to see our shop. Once again, we do go live, so I'm super, super excited. Join us, family. Join us as we create custom attire on live while vibing. Super, super excited.
0: All right, so let's jump on into chapter 16. Let's see here. We're almost finished with the book. Let's see. The Camel Trader
1: of Babylon. The hungrier one becomes, the clearer one's mind works. Also, the more sensitive one becomes to the odors of food. Tarkad, the son of Azur, certainly thought so. For two whole days, he had tasted no food except two small figs purloined from over the wall of a garden. Not another could he grab before the angry woman rushed forth and chased him down the street. Her shrill cries were still ringing in his ears as he walked through the marketplace. They helped him to restrain his restless fingers from snatching the tempting fruits from the baskets of the market women. Never before had he realized how much food was brought to the markets of Babylon and how good it smelled. Leaving the market, he walked across to the inn and paced back and forth in front of the eating house. Perhaps here he might meet someone he knew, someone from whom he could borrow a copper that would gain him a smile
2: from the unfriendly keeper of the inn and, with it, a liberal
1: helping. Without the copper, he knew all too well how unwelcome he would be. In his abstraction, he unexpectedly found himself face
2: to face with the one man he wished most to avoid, the tall, bony figure of
1: Davasir, the camel trader. Of all the friends and others from whom he had borrowed small sums, Dabasir made him feel the most uncomfortable because of his failure to keep his promises to repay promptly. Dabasir's face lighted up at the sight of him. Ah, tis Tarkar, just the one I have been seeking, that he might repay the two pieces of copper which I lent him a moon ago. Also the piece of silver which I lent to him before that. We are well met. I can make good use of the coins this very day. What say, boy, what say? Tarkad stuttered and his face flushed. He had naught in his empty stomach to nerve him to argue with the outspoken Davasir. I am sorry, very sorry, he mumbled weakly. But this day I have neither the copper nor the silver with which I could repay. Then get it, Davasir insisted. Surely thou canst get hold of a few coppers and a piece of silver To repay the generosity of an old friend of thy father Who aided thee whence thou wast in need Tis because ill fortune does pursue me that I cannot pay Ill fortune Wouldst blame the gods for thine own weakness Ill fortune pursues every man who thinks more of borrowing than of repaying Come with me, boy, while I eat I am hungry and I would tell thee a tale Tarkad flinched from the brutal frankness of Dabasir, but here at least was an invitation to enter the coveted doorway of the eating house. Dabasir pushed him to a far corner of the room where they seated themselves upon small rugs. When Kauskor, the proprietor, appeared smiling, Dabasir addressed him with his usual freedom. Fat lizard of the desert, bring me a leg of the goat, brown with much juice." And bread and all of the vegetables, for I am hungry and want much food. Do not forget my friend here. Bring to him a jug of water. Have it cooled, for the day is hot. Tarkad's heart sank. Must he sit here and drink water while he watched this man devour an entire goat leg? He said nothing. He thought of nothing he could say. Dabasir, however, knew no such thing as silence. Smiling and waving his hand good-naturedly to the other customers, all of whom knew him, he continued. I did hear from a traveler just returned from Urfa of a certain rich man who has a piece of stone cut so thin that one can look through it. He put it in the window of his house to keep out the rains. It is yellow, so this traveler does relate, and he was permitted to look through it. And all the outside world looked strange and not like it really is. What say you to that, Tarkad? Thinkest all the world could look to a man a different color from what it is? I dare say, responded the youth, much more interested in the fat leg of goat placed before Dabasir. Well, I know it to be true, for I myself have seen the world all of a different color from what it really is, and the tale I am about to tell relates how I came to see it in its right color once more. Dabasir will tell a tale, whispered a neighboring diner to his neighbor, and dragged his rug close. Other diners brought their food and crowded in a semicircle. They crunched noisily in the ears of Tarkad and brushed him with their meaty bones. He alone was without food. Dabasir did not offer to share with him, nor even motion him to a small corner of the hard bread that was broken off and had fallen from the platter to the floor. The tale that I'm about to tell, began Dabasir, pausing to bite a goodly chunk from the goat leg, relates to my early life and how I came to be a camel trader. Didst anyone know that I once was a slave in Syria? A murmur of surprise ran through the audience to which Dabasir listened with satisfaction. When I was a young man, continued Dabasir, after another vicious onslaught on the goat leg, I learned the trade of my father. The making of saddles. I worked with him in his shop and took to myself a wife. Being young and not greatly skilled, I could earn but little, just enough to support my excellent wife in a modest way. I craved good things which I could not afford. Soon I found that the shopkeepers would trust me to pay later even though I could not pay at the time. Being young and without experience, I did not know that he who spends more than he earns is sowing the winds of needless self-indulgence, from which he is sure to reap the whirlwinds of trouble and humiliation. So I indulged my whims for fine raiment, and bought luxuries for my good wife and our home, beyond our means. I paid as I could, and for a while all went well. But in time I discovered I could not use my earnings both to live upon and to pay my debts. Creditors began to pursue me to pay for my extravagant purchases and my life became miserable I borrowed from my friends but could not repay them either Things went from bad to worse My wife returned to her father and I decided to leave Babylon and seek another city where a young man might have better chances For two years I had a restless and unsuccessful life working for caravan traders From this I fell in with a set of likable robbers who scoured the desert for unarmed caravans. Such deeds were unworthy of the son of my father, but I was seeing the world through a colored stone and did not realize to what degradation I had fallen. We met with success on our first trip, captured a rich haul of gold and silks and valuable merchandise. This loot we took to Gineer and squandered. The second time we were not so fortunate. Just after we had made our capture, we were attacked by the spearsmen of a native chief, to whom the caravans paid for protection. Our two leaders were killed, and the rest of us were taken to Damascus, where we were stripped of our clothing and sold as slaves. I was purchased for two pieces of silver by a Syrian desert chief. With my hair shorn and but a loincloth to wear, I was not so different from the other slaves. Being a reckless youth, I thought it merely an adventure until my master took me before his four wives and told them they could have me for a eunuch. Then indeed did I realize the hopelessness of my situation. These men of the desert were fierce and warlike. I was subject to their will without weapons or means of escape. Fearful I stood as those four women looked me over. I wondered if I could expect pity from them. Syra, the first wife, was older than the others. Her face was impassive as she looked upon me I turned from her with little consolation The next was a contemptuous beauty who gazed at me as indifferently as if I had been a worm of the earth The two younger ones tittered as though it were all an exciting joke It seemed an age that I stood waiting sentence Each woman appeared willing for the others to decide Finally, Sarah spoke up in a cold voice Of eunuchs we have plenty But of camel tenders we have few And they are a worthless lot Even this day I would visit my mother Who is sick with the fever And there is no slave I would trust to lead my camel Ask this slave if he can lead a camel My master thereupon questioned me What know you of camels? Striving to conceal my eagerness I replied I can make them kneel I can load them I can lead them on long trips without tiring If need be I can repair their trappings "'The slave speaks forward enough,' observed my master. "'If thou so desire, Sira, take this man for thy camel tender.'" So I was turned over to Sira, and that day I led her camel upon a long journey to her sick mother. I took the occasion to thank her for her intercession, and also to tell her that I was not a slave by birth, but the son of a freeman, an honorable saddle-maker of Babylon. I also told her much of my story. Her comments were disconcerting to me, and I pondered much afterwards on what she said. How can you call yourself a free man when your weakness has brought you to this? If a man has in himself the soul of a slave, will he not become one no matter what his birth, even as water seeks its level? If a man has within him the soul of a free man, will he not become respected and honored in his own city in spite of his misfortune? For over a year I was a slave and lived with the slaves But I could not become as one of them One day Sira asked me In the even time when the other slaves can mingle and enjoy the society of each other Why dost thou sit in thy tent alone? To which I responded I am pondering what you have said to me I wonder if I have the soul of a slave I cannot join them so I must sit apart I too must sit apart She confided. My dowry was large, and my lord married me because of it. Yet he does not desire me. What every woman longs for is to be desired. Because of this, and because I am barren, and have neither son nor daughter, must I sit apart. Were I a man, I would rather die than be such a slave. But the conventions of our tribe make slaves of women. What think thou of me by this time? I asked her suddenly. Have I the soul of a man, or have I the soul of a slave? Have you a desire to repay the just debts you owe in Babylon? She parried. Yes, I have the desire, but I see no way. If thou contentedly let the years slip by and make no effort to repay, then thou hast but the contemptible soul of a slave. No man is otherwise who cannot respect himself, and no man can respect himself who does not repay honest debts. What can I do who am a slave in Syria? Stay a slave in Syria, thou weakling. I am not a weakling, I denied hotly. Then prove it. How? Dost not thy great king fight his enemies in every way he can and with every force he has? Thy debts are thy enemies. They ran thee out of Babylon. You left them alone, and they grew too strong for thee. Hadst fought them as a man, thou couldst have conquered them. And been one honored among the townspeople But thou had not the soul to fight them And behold, thy pride hast gone down Until thou art a slave in Syria Much I thought over her unkind accusations And many defensive phrases I worded To prove myself not a slave at heart But I was not to have the chance to use them Three days later the maid of Syrah Took me to her mistress My mother is again very sick, she said Saddle the two best camels in my husband's herd. Tie on water skins and saddle bags for a long journey. The maid will give thee food at the kitchen tent. I packed the camels, wondering much at the quantity of provisions the maid provided for the mother dwelt less than a day's journey away. The maid wrote...
0: Okay, so that was the end of chapter 16 And really, what I got out of chapter 16 is, to be honest, everything that he spoke about. And I'm sorry, I didn't even mean to do my lips like that, y'all. Since the girl is tired, I am tired. Um, But anyway, I had to keep pushing. So, let's see here. I got out of that chapter, I don't know. I mean, to make it make sense, I would say... Like, you have to basically pay your debts off. You have to pay your debts off. And you have to have the mind frame. You got the mind frame of a slave, you're going to stay a slave. You got the mind frame of uh, the richest man in Babylon, you're going to, you know, be able to do that. But you also have to pay your debt. You know, you just can't go without paying and thinking it's going to go over. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. You know, so that's what I got out of it. Make the right decisions. And even if you do have a mess up, fix your mess up. That's what I got out of all of that. Out of, out of that fix your mess up. You you owe some money, pay what you owe. Because that shit going to come back and bite you in the end if you let it. I am about to let you all go, y'all. Like, I have a lot going on your girl if you are wanting to see a1 custom work go and visit us on tiktok tonight we will be on tiktok tonight at 8 p.m and what we do there we customize items so just y'all go and check us out y'all have a great great day and i will be back on wednesday